0: Hey everyone, this is Tom Salemi of Device Talks. Welcome to our newest member of the Device Talks podcast family. It's called... Medtronic Talks. Our constant search to find new ways to bring you insights in the Medtech industry led us to the fine, fine folks of Medtronic. They've agreed to make their senior leaders available to us and to you. In each episode, we'll discuss the opportunities and challenges facing one of Medtech's clear leaders, so you'll have an inside view on what makes Medtronic go. We'll ask the questions, Medtronic will provide the answers, and our great network of sponsors makes it all possible. So sit back, hop on a treadmill, take the dog for a walk, whatever you do when you listen to a great podcast, and let's listen to how Medtronic is getting the job done. Let's go. Hey, everyone. This is Tom Salemi, Editorial Director of Device Talks. Welcome to this episode of the Medtronic Talks podcast. This episode is going to be a bit different than ones we've done in the past. We're not going to focus on technology or treatments or business or market shares. We're going to talk about people. Specifically, this is timed with the uh, the close of Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. So we're going to talk with Martha Ha. She is the Chief Privacy Officer and Chief Counsel of Corporate Governance at Medtronic. And John DeChapel. John's the CMO and Vice President of Medical Affairs of the Americas region at Medtronic. And if you've listened to the podcast in the past, you recall or remember his name or his voice rather, and probably his name from the very first episode. In this episode though, as I said, they're not coming to this conversation as leaders of Medtronic's business, but really as leaders of Medtronic's culture or Medtronic's people. Martha and John explain how the company is reaching out to employees of Asian descent, employees of Pacific Island descent, and helping them to get their voice, to help them understand how to better work within the corporate culture, not only of Medtronic, but uh, of of other corporations as well and, and society as a whole. So this is a conversation where we listen a lot. We listen to Martha share some troubling experiences from her young life and some challenges she's had to overcome and some realizations that she's had as a leader at a corporation. And John brings some experiences of his own. Uh, John is married to a woman of Chinese descent and he's raising two biracial children. So he brings not only the sensitivity of a leader at a company like Medtronic who wants to help foster growth in young people, but also as a a husband and a parent. So it was a a very frank and uh, I thought interesting conversation. And I, I'm sure you'll find it that way as well. So thank you to Martha and John for, uh, for sharing their experiences. Before we begin this interview, I'd like to introduce our sponsor, Quasar Medical. Alex Wallstein is Quasar Medical's new CEO. Alex, tell us about Quasar Medical.
1: Yeah, thanks, Tom, for having me join the podcast. Uh, greetings from Hong Kong, where it's uh, 90 degrees and 1,000% humidity. This morning, Quasar Medical is a contract manufacturer that's been a partner to Medtronic for for many, many years now. We have factories in China, in Thailand, and expanding further across China and and Asia. We've really focused on high-precision medical devices such as catheter products or tube sets, tube assemblies that require a lot of scale and manual assembly, which is, of course, ideally sourced here in, in Asia.
0: Thanks, Alex. We'll hear more from Quasar Medical a little later in the episode. Now, let's bring in Martha Ha and John DeChapel of Medtronic. Martha Ha and John DeChapel, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Tom. Hi, Tom. Martha, you're a first-time visitor. John, you are our first returning guest to the Medtronic Talks podcast. I think if you come on a third time, I have to get you a Screen Actors Guild card or something. I'm sure the unions will get involved. (laughs) But uh, it's great to have you back. Uh, John. we covered your background uh, when you were on our uh, our first podcast. So, Martha, I'm going to focus on you for a few minutes. Tell us a bit about uh, how you came to be where you are at Medtronic, your chief privacy officer. A little later, I'd love to learn exactly what you focus on. But take us way back. What's your, uh, what's your background?
2: So, I was born, Tom, uh, in Korea, actually, in Seoul, Korea. And my family moved to uh, the United States, to the Chicagoland area, when I was less than a year old. And as I was, um, actually, as I I was thinking about my history and making notes for this podcast, I started thinking back to my childhood, um, and I hope this is relevant, because I was trying to remember specific instances of discrimination and racism that I may have faced growing up as a a young Asian female uh, on the streets of Chicago. And I remembered a fair amount of name calling. But then as I actually just sat with it, uh, I remembered being taunted as a child. I remember... (laughs) kids you know pulling their eyes into little slits and then laughing at me and pointing at me uh, one of the boys actually when I was in uh, pre uh, elementary school challenged me to a fight so wow. yeah and
0: for any real any reason other than you being you or I, or,
2: I guess I was intimidating I don't know maybe I look different or <laughs> um, and for those of you who can't see me I, I'm actually about five to 110 and uh, I was even smaller back then so <laughs> Uh, luckily, we didn't fight, so that all ended up. <laughs> but then I remember this one incident very clearly of going to a department store with my mom. And um, I remember these two boys following me as we went from department to department. And finally, when I was cornered, they, they started calling me names. Um, they started teasing me. And to the point where I literally um, shrunk down to the ground and I hid underneath some clothes and under a rack of clothes. And I just I wanted to become invisible. I never told my mom or dad about this. I felt shame. I felt embarrassed. I felt helpless. Um, And then from there, as I grew up, I guess I I feel like there was less blatant racism and discrimination. But I'm also thinking that maybe I just became numb to
0: it. Right.
2: And I just started to ignore it. Anyway, fast forward, I graduated from law school.
0: I wonder, uh, before you get into that, I, I do want to, because I, I find myself going back to my own childhood, not, not. I mean, I was taunted for other reasons, but racially growing up in the seventies and the eighties, you kind of look at things that you said or just thoughts that you had and, and how they compare to today. Uh, and it really requires you to stop and really think and really hold a, up to the light and see compare one to the other do you did you carry these memories with you in an active way through the years or are you sort of unpacking them now
2: um i i'm unpacking a lot of the a lot of the really what i consider more nasty and blatant racism i do remember just the teasing and some of the name calling Mm -hmm. Um, that's kind of simple and i can carry that with me Um, and i and i never have forgotten that but i just do what i have to to move past it Um, And I think now more than ever, especially as the leader of the Asian um, employee resource group at Medtronic, it's really time for me to bring those to the light and to the surface and talk about it. Because I think that's important, not just for myself, but also for the other Asian employees. And it's time to speak up. And it's time to speak out. So,
0: no, I think we all should be doing that. But, but please. So, you you moved into to, to you were getting into your your move to law school.
2: Yeah, um, actually, I had graduated from law school and worked. Um, I in missed La- that entirely.
0: Wow. Okay. Congratulations.
2: <laughs> oh, I remember it. I remember it. So. I graduated from law school, started working in law firms for about 10 years, and then I went in-house, and I went in-house in a healthcare company, and I started to move up the ranks, and I thought that I was moving up the ranks because I worked hard, because that's what my mom and dad said. You work hard, keep your head down, and people will notice you. Well, some people did, and it was okay for a while, and then nobody noticed me, Um, and so really, the way I got to rise in, in the ranks uh, to the executive level is really from some lucky breaks and from mm-hmm. people actually extending a hand to me saying, you got to get pulled up right now. So I had luckily some great mentors and sponsors who brought me up with them.
0: How did you choose healthcare or, or did, did you just happen to, did healthcare happen to choose you? Did you, did you consciously choose a career in healthcare?
2: I did not actually mm-hmm. healthcare chose me and it just mm-hmm. happened to be a good company. Um, it happened to be not far from my house. Um, and, I, and I thought, hey, I can do this. It's a good cause. Um, and so I, it just, it worked out that way.
0: Perfect. Great.
2: So I joined Medtronic about five years ago, um, again, staying in healthcare, and I became the leader of the Asian ERG uh, about 18 months ago. And I've always been a supporter of IND, inclusion and diversity, um, and mentoring and supporting other Asians and females and Asian females, but I never really knew how or whether I could make a difference. I remember, remember that I became numb to my own racism and microaggressions against myself. But so the events of the last 12 months have really woken me up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and it's time now to take a stand. It's time to find my voice, if not for myself, for all my other fellow Asian colleagues, my friends, the community. Um, it's time and I'm ready. And so here I am speaking up and speaking out.
0: Great. Now, good for you. And, and I, I, uh, John, I want to bring you into the conversation in a moment. But Martha, do you you say the 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 event of the last twelve months? Uh, do you specifically have a, a moment or an event where you said enough is enough, or was it sort of a cumulative building?
2: Um, I did have a moment when enough is enough, um, and that was actually just this March. Um, I started to I started to wake up a little bit more clearly over the, the course of the pandemic as we saw the rise in anti-Asian racism and violence uh, escalate. But then uh, the Atlanta murders back in March of the six Asian women. um, And then I started to watch very, very disturbing uh, violent attacks against mostly elderly Asian uh, Mm, men mm -hmm. and women. And then I started thinking about my parents who are in their eighties. And it just, it literally broke my heart. So
0: those videos were, were, immensely troubling um we we all, all seen them and it just boggles the mind that that they can happen that in that no one was helping so i I can understand that completely um wow okay well we want to get into the, the work being done at tronic but i think john i would love to to bring you into the conversation just maybe i'm not sure who to speak to the program but i think though this would be a good time to to talk about the the group you're involved with in pro at Medtronic and and what you're trying to do. And, and maybe John, you can sort of start, start that and explain how, what your what perspective you're bringing to this uh, important discussion.
3: Sure. Thanks, Tom. Um, I'm still thinking about what Martha just said about how she was as a junior executive, she wasn't recognized for her performance and she ultimately had to depend on, on some people to give her a hand up and, how unfortunate is that? Because we should all be recognized for our performance and, and not necessarily need someone to go out of their way uh, to help us. But that is our, our reality. So, um, so I've tried to do my part. Uh, I've recently had the honor of participating in a development program that we have for mid-level. Asian women executives in our, our company and where we have a, a number of uh, mentor mentee sessions and having an appreciation of some of the challenges that our Asian workforce has and speaking to them very directly and very frankly uh, with my mentee um, has, has been really rewarding uh, for me, um, I, I could share with you some of the things that we spoke about, if you think that'd be valuable.
0: Uh, sure. Let's, 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 uh, let's cover a few of those things now.
3: Some of the things um, that we spoke of um, included the importance of not just completing your assignments, but taking it a step farther and having the confidence to look to influence the company's decision-making. And we spoke about how do you do that? We also spoke about uh, the importance of getting out of the office, and going to see customers, and then bringing that back to the the conference room, if you will, and being the voice of, of the customers. So shaking things up and getting out of the usual role um, is it, something that that some of our Asian employees uh, may uh, may struggle with. And so encouraging her to do these things was was, was rather eye opening, and hopefully that will help her break through if you will, the glass ceiling. And we know that that glass ceiling exists because we've seen the studies that show that, that amongst U.S. white-collar professionals that Asians are the least likely to go from individual contributor to the managerial ranks. So having some, an opportunity to talk about kind of specific ways of, of moving up. How you can be very intentional, maybe even double down on the intentionality of your career development by talking to your manager about succession planning and are you named in their succession plan? Are are important for anyone, but probably doubly important for for our Asian American uh,
0: employees. That's great advice, John. I know you bring a, a personal perspective to uh, to this conversation. Can you can you provide some details on that?
3: Yeah, sure, Tom.
0: We're going to take a quick break from this conversation to bring in our sponsor, Quasar Medical. I'm here again with Alex Wallstein, the new CEO of Quasar Medical. Alex, Quasar Medical is a multinational company. How do you view diversity and inclusion?
1: Yeah, Quasar was actually founded by an Israeli family, always based in Hong Kong. It's kind of right there. Diversity is is something that is absolutely core of a core characteristic of Quasar Medical. We deal with different languages, different religious backgrounds, cultural backgrounds, time zones, of course, on a daily basis. And actually, when we recruit top talent from external, we're looking for people that have spent time outside of their home country. Because if you don't have the curiosity to really see other cultures and other colors of life, it's going to be difficult for you to really adapt in in a company like Quasar. And I think this is such a part of DNA of, of Quasar. We really consider ourselves as a fully global, very small company, 1,500 employees compared to Medtronic is tiny, but fully diversified gender and all religious flavors you can think of.
0: Final question, Alex. What opportunity does Quasar Medical present for medical device OEMs?
1: Quasar is traditionally just focused on providing high-quality, high-volume assemblies, that are very hard to make outside of Asia because of the skill set of the labor that we have here. And this has really been made for global consumption. Our customer base is typically in Europe and in the U.S., the large OEMs, if you will. But most recently, you might have heard of the China policy trend called dual circulation. This is really China has become the future growth market in medical devices. Everybody is aware of it. And most multinationals provide imported products into China. There's a big trend in China, really understanding how to localize the core products that the Chinese healthcare system needs. Quasar is uniquely positioned to deliver localized versions of products made by the global companies. We have manufacturing base in China. We have a track record of high quality, and also we have earned the trust with the large OEMs related to intellectual property and IP and patent protection, et cetera. So this is very, very important to the large OEMs that, uh, when they partner and when they want to localize products. Quasar, again, is very uniquely positioned to take advantage of this trend in China. And we look forward to partnering with Medtronic and further expand this business.
0: Thanks, Alex Wallstein, for joining us on this episode of Medtronic Talks. For more information about Quasar Medical, go to quasar-med.com that's Q-U-A-S-A-R-M-E-D.com. that's great advice john i know you bring a, a personal perspective to uh, to this conversation can you can you provide some details on that yeah sure tom
3: so my wife is of chinese descent and uh, and getting to know her story has helped me appreciate even more so the challenges that our Asian-American employees have and raising two children who are uh, uh, half Asian, half European descent uh, also uh, has been informative to me. Uh, So, and I draw upon these experiences to hopefully make me a better manager, a better mentor when given the opportunity and and a better leader in our organization. Uh, My wife has had what some might call, it, unfortunately, a stereotypical Asian upbringing. Even though she was she was born in, in the U.S. Uh, you know, at, at dinner time, uh, the, the family would sit quietly at the table. Everyone with books out reading, uh, having very little conversation. You know, and, and those that doesn't translate well into business, where you have to be able to you know, to articulate your thoughts. Uh, you know, as a, as compared to my own experience. Um, uh, with a mother who's Italian, and the back and forth was robust from from start to finish,
0: including dessert. <laughs> I'm familiar with that dynamic, John. Yes,
3: bet you are. So, so, drawing upon some of the the quiet nature um of of our of our Asian employees, um, you know, I, I can understand understanding where it comes from, and it helps me be more attuned to it. So, for example, when I conduct meetings. I always go out of my way to make sure that everyone around the table or on Zoom, as the case may be, uh, will have an opportunity to contribute. Because all too frequently, it, it's, it's the Asian employees who are, who are the ones who are taking a disproportionately less talking time in, you know, in the course of a meeting. So I try to draw them out and give them the protected time that they need to express themselves. And the more they do that, the better they get at it. And, and that helps. That experience with my wife's upbringing you know, helps helps my sensitivity sure. in that regard.
0: Mar- Martha, what's your, your your feeling about that? Because it's a it's an interesting place we're in, where we're we're encouraging people to speak up for the first time, but we also have these folks who have had the microphone, like myself, literally and figuratively, um, and we're not quite sure whether to step aside and and let you speak exclusively, or or whether to to, to to speak, stand next to you and, and speak with you and offer our input, even though whether or not you you'd sort of ask for it. So how does having someone like John, uh, particularly with his perspective involved in this program uh, help? I
2: think uh, having someone like John, first of all, I adore John. I think he's fantastic, smart, funny, uh, fitness enthusiast, which I love as well. Um, but, uh, you know, I think about it in two ways on a very superficial level. Uh, being married to a, a Chinese woman provides authenticity to to his allyship. But really, on a more substantive level, uh, he really is the real deal because you can be married to someone um, who's of Asian descent or biracial. You can say that you have um, Asian friends or Pacific Islander friends. <clears throat> and you can say so so I understand and and I, and I'm not racist. Um, but John actually, really deeply, deeply understands. Um, He has children that are biracial as well. Um, And he brings this understanding and awareness with him to work into the community, into his family, extended family relationships in a very meaningful way where this allyship, Tom, we can't do this alone. The Asian American Pacific Islander community cannot um, uh, defeat the racism and discrimination that we're facing alone. We need allies. We need sponsors. We need people to stand with us. Um, and John is absolutely one of those people. He can, um, and plus his style, he's got such a great style so that when he works with his team um, and he understands, okay, you know, some of his Asian employees may feel a little reluctant to speak up. So I'm going to gently encourage them to speak up and and ask for their opinion in a way that's non-threatening, um, in a way that shows yeah. by example to the rest of his team. We should be get, getting everyone's opinion, even the people who don't want to speak around the table. So I actually think we need more people like like John. I mean, people don't have to marry uh,
0: <laughs>
2: people who are truly authentic allies.
0: Uh, let's talk, uh, we have a, some, some uh, Points we wanted to talk about, but but I I think for myself and perhaps for our listeners, I need a, a clearer understanding of what is what. Describe for me the effort that's going on at Medtronic. What is the group called? What are your your functions? How are you engaging with employees?
2: The the group the uh, Asian Impact at Medtronic we call it AIM, and that is the Asian Employee Employee Resource Group. Um, it has it was actually started in 1992. Some form of it. Um, Medtronic actually had a lot of ERGs that were formed um, many, many years ago. Um, But I want to fast forward. And the only reason I I bring that up is because we are, I think, at a more sophisticated level than maybe some other companies, um, because it's been around for a long time because inclusion and diversity have been at the forefront of at least the last two CEOs and probably more, but I wasn't at Medtronic then, um, at the forefront of their minds as well. Um, And I want to start with this in terms of what is Medtronic doing. I want to be absolutely clear. The tone at the top is unequivocal and resolute. Uh, Jeff Martha has come out saying internally and externally um, that he condemns all acts of hate and violence and discrimination. Uh, I have a quote from him. Hate has no home here at Medtronic. I stand united with our AAPI employees, partners and allies. We must and we will do more. So to me, that's unequivocal in terms of support. Mm -hmm. So what has Medtronic done? They've done a number of different things. The first thing is to create a very safe working environment for their employees. So employees can feel um, safe in terms of just physically safe, as well as the opportunity to speak up and speak their mind. Second, um, we double-clicked on the awareness and education piece, and we're, we're still mm-hmm. diving deep into that. We are in the midst of Asian Heritage Month right now, and we have a lot of programming, actually, um, to help educate not just the Asian employees, but all the employees on on the differences between all the ethnicities um, within the Asian race, um, the model minority myth and how that's impacting not just the AAPI community, but other communities as well. Um, So we are double clicking on the education and awareness piece. Third, we put put in place some differentiated development programs for AAPI employees because typically Asian programs are geared more towards cultural inclusion versus mm-hmm. executive um, management diversity. And uh, John can even speak to some of those. Uh, and then we've also developed some leader resources. Uh, and, and those were rolled out actually a couple months ago, really um, in response to uh, the Atlanta murders. And what that is, is it's, it's, it's a toolkit to help leaders Understand to the best we can. Write down in words um, what some of the cultural influences are for Asian employees and how best they can actually comfort and support their Asian employees uh, and give them a safe space to talk to. Um, so I don't want to take up all the airtime. So I want to let John have a chance to speak.
0: No, that's that's just please keep keep talking. You're doing doing a great job, John. I, I'll. I'll Martha smartly though asked you to speak to sort of the the executive development element of, of this, uh, and you and I thought your point about not speaking at the table was an interesting one because you're right that's so much of advancement is done in social situations like that. I was I was never the person who had the joke to tell, uh, and I sat up, I would sit at tables with all these VCs who could just had great stories to tell. and They climbed some mountain and they had all these great things, and I just had my life and it wasn't that so I can relate to sort of being shut out from that. How do you, let's talk a bit about what you're doing on the, on the executive development front and how do you sort of either, I don't know if you impart those skills upon folks who need it, or if you sort of make the culture aware that you don't need to necessarily be that way to be a good leader.
3: Right. That's a tricky one because I think that there are some skills that you need to have to be a good leader. And and those might not be the ones that uh, that our Asian employees have learned in, in, in childhood. So I think we we need to particularly focus on those. Whether it, it, they're differential, but at, at a certain point, if you really want to move up the ladder, then you really need to learn how to advocate for yourself. Uh, and so, you know, what are we going to do? You know, in the meantime, is is have particular sensitivity. To uh, to um, those behavior you know, that that persona, but you know at the same time uh, you know also try to take a holistic view. So w- w- what I mean is um, something that's that's been on my mind quite a bit lately is that we're at the our fiscal year end, so we're doing our year end evaluations, and. In the course of doing year-end evaluations, I'm drawing on the unconscious bias training that that we've all had to go through. at Mytronic and I know that executives at probably every major Fortune 500 company, you know, have had to go through it, and and, and that's been a real um, that's been a real wealth of information for me, and has changed uh, how I how I manage. So, for example. We we talk about uh, the seeds model, which is part of unconscious bias training about similarity and how this concept that people like me are are better than others. I, I draw upon that to look at people that are different from me um, to go out of my way, um, you know, to, to find value in, in people that are different from me, and also it also things like experience and and how my perceptions are accurate. But you know, the reality is that it, is that they might give up part of the picture, but they don't give the whole picture. so getting back to this year end evaluation time, you want to be particularly sensitive to people who come from a different place than than myself uh, as someone of European descent, and you want to gather a larger picture, the holistic view as as I mentioned. so I went out of my way this year to write to stakeholders for all of the people who report to me to get their input about a, a, a given employee. So, uh, so that it wasn't just my point of view being represented to your evaluation, but it was a number of people because they can pick up on things that I can't because I have unconscious bias and that's going to help not only all of our employees, but it will also in particular help, uh, you know, our employees of, of Asian descent. And then we can really identify this talent because, and maybe just uh, allow me to, to expand on one more thing besides, besides giving them evaluation we also think about their potential and i'm really concerned when we label people in regards to their potential that we skip over people particularly those of, of asian descent who might have had that, that keep your head down grind it out mentality that, that we're going to skip over them, you know, versus the, the, the louder mouth those who are comfortable advocating for themselves um, when it comes to assigning potential. And I think that everyone has got high potential and sometimes we just have to look a little bit deeper. And so I'm drawing on that unconscious bias training to help me see potential where I might not have seen it before because, um, because I have that, that similarity uh, bias.
0: Martha, I'd love to get your your perspective on that. I mean you opened this up saying that you were taught you know keep your head down, work hard, and it almost sounds as if that's almost setting you up for failure or to, or to be uh, a victim of unconscious bias that it, speak to 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 to, to what John was just talking about and have you looking back how is it, how has unconscious bias affect you in your career affected you in your career
2: um, well it it really is tom around. <clears throat> Excuse me. The this model minority myth, right? Um, and, and that is an unconscious bias that actually was ingrained in folks because they selected Asians and they said, "Look, academically, socioeconomically, Asians are quote unquote successful." Um, and so we don't need to help them. We don't need to give them funding. We don't need to help you know mm-hmm. uh, help educate the broader community. But the fact of the matter is. And I didn't realize this till just recently. We have not yet Asian American Pacific Islanders have not yet been seen in the United States as Americans. Um, we are we've we've not yet been treated as American citizens. You know, the Japanese internment camps is a perfect example of. You know, we had sure. 120,000 Japanese Americans be ripped out of their homes, thrown into these internment camps when many of their Husbands were fighting for the United States in World War Two, so anyway, I'm getting back to your your question. Um, <laughs> the, the unconscious bias has always been there, and I think um, uh, m- my mom and dad uh, uh, unwittingly, unknowingly, actually fueled that fire by saying, "Keep your head down, work hard, mm-hmm. don't raise any waves, just work hard, and that will get you ahead. That will that will good things will happen to you because you work hard," and so I did. I, and plus, I'm actually, you might not believe it, but I am an introvert. And so I wasn't really out there.
0: You too. <laughs>
2: that's, that's information. Um, and so yeah. I didn't really speak up for myself. Um, and I kept my head down and I worked hard. And it does get you advanced at a very junior level. But especially nowadays, you can't keep your mouth shut, you can't stay quiet. It's, it's finding that right balance that John was talking about um, of, you know, being your authentic self um, and where, you know, uh, living with what you came, where you came from. And so for me, mm-hmm. I am an introvert. I am Korean. I'm a female. And I actually don't like to talk a lot. Um, but so how do I retain that authenticity of who I am at the core and yet have to step into this other persona at times in the modern corporate world in order to advance my career and get what's due for me, because of the fact that I do work hard, that I do contribute, that I am valuable to this organization. and it's finding that right balance. And what we need, we need people like John. We need allies. Mm-hmm. We need people who sponsor us. We need people who encourage us to stand up and find our voice. And it can be a little at a time. It can be one sentence at a meeting. Start with that. Then it can be two sentences. Then it can be a small presentation that we give. Then it can be a little bit of coaching on the side. When you did that, you got to make more eye contact, look up more, speak slowly. And then it's a second presentation. And it's a longer, it's a higher level audience. So it literally is one step at a time. But we need people to help us as well. We need to help ourselves. Let there be no doubt. Sure. Um, But we also need the opportunities. And the opportunities will come when there's education and awareness, particularly with the allies, because they will make the space for us to have those opportunities.
3: Something that that Martha said um, really really stuck with me. um, And she's focusing on how, how, uh, those of Asian descent need to, uh, develop, you know, once they're, you know, in their careers, but, um, and you talk about things like the importance of making eye contact. And I was just thinking back to, to one of my sons, um, one son is, is, is maybe more like me and he runs through, he thinks he's Elton John and he runs around the house wearing a uh, a straw hat with a red <laughs> ribbon around it and big, flashy glasses.
0: <laughs> John, I'm going to be looking at you differently from now on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the,
3: the, the other one probably has more of those those stereotypical Asian traits, and he's more soft-spoken. and And so I want to start his career development, if you will, now at age seven. And so when we walk out the door in the morning from our apartment here in New York City, we always stop. To look at the doorman, and and my son now looks him in the eye and wishes him good morning, and then they and the doorman greets him similarly, and you know that's where it starts. And I'm hoping that that there is um, increased awareness in schools that curricula change, uh, that we start to recognize the Asian American role models. There are so many, more and more with every day, particularly amongst the entrepreneurial class founders of of now large companies uh, uh, are of asian descent and we need to uh, i need we need to hold those people up as role models we need to work to develop the whole person so all the character traits yes having humility is so critically important but also having the comfort to advocate for oneself is important too and so i'm hoping that when when the next generation gets into companies like Medtronic that there's less of a gap to
0: have to solve for that's a that's a really interesting point I know you you've you've you're taking – Medtronic is taking actions. You, you've hired an outside vendor to develop some programming that that's tackling these issues, uh, harnessing your voice, microaggressions. We talked about the bamboo ceiling, which I'll admit I was ignorant about uh, up until preparing for this podcast. So talk a bit about the, the work you're doing with uh, the, the the vendor that you, you've brought into the Medtronic. And what is – maybe some details on what is actually happening. Martha, if you wouldn't mind starting that off.
2: Sure. Um, so we've been working with an outside vendor um, to really – this is – This is double-clicking on the um, differentiated development program that Medtronic is is really um, intentional about for Asian Americans. And so what we're doing specifically with this vendor is is exactly um, what you listed. We're um, developing workshops and programs and exercises for Asian Americans to, to tackle these issues like harnessing your voice, learning how to speak up, even just the simplest of things in terms of, hey, here's my opinion or, you know, respectfully, I disagree. But and here's what I think. It's those just just things that we take for granted in terms of, you know, negotiation or just discussions in the executive conference rooms or even, you know, one or two levels below that. Um, So it really is harnessing your voice. And it's about learning and teaching about microaggressions. You know, I talked about growing up I remember the teasing, but then actually it took me a while to remember, you know, when people were pulling their eyes into slits and, and these boys that chased me at the Sears and, um, you know, because I pushed those out of my, my mind. Um, and then I said, I think from that point forward to where I am now, the microaggressions had ceased, but actually I really do believe I just got numb to that. So part of this training is guess what? They're still out there. Here's what it looks like in case you forgot or in case you Mm -hmm. just became numb to it. And here's what you do when that happens. Here are what, you know, we learn about um, unconscious bias as well and what we can do to help educate people so they can unlearn some of those stereotypes, which I think is really important. And then the bamboo ceiling, just to call it out for what it is, how we can help advocate for each other, sponsor each other. One of the things that I tell uh, folks is, hey, if you have a hard time finding your voice for yourself, find your voice for the, your next door neighbor, because mm-hmm. it's a lot easier to advocate for somebody else than it is yourself. And once you do that, you might be like, "Huh, I can do this. Now I'm going to have a conversation with my own boss or I'll ask somebody to advocate for me if, if I feel uncomfortable doing that. So we have that. But we also, Tom, we have differentiated development programs that Medtronic sponsors, that AIM actually um, works in programmatically um, in developing these programs. And it really is at all levels of the, the company because different levels of employees and skill sets require different kinds of development programs. So all the way from individual contributor to what we call the senior director rank, which is uh, one level below the vice president.
0: John, what uh, what led you to become... So involved in this as well. Is it? Is it your your family connection? Um, would you, do you think you would have been involved with this if if you if you you, you didn't have that that personal connection?
3: I think I would have been. Um, so I've worked with other uh, employee groups uh, at Medtronic. Uh, I'm, I'm also uh, an executive sponsor of our Medtronic Women's Network. So um, I I just take a real interest. In identifying barriers and helping people o- overcome them, and so, and and I've, I've always had that interest uh, uh, not just for women but but also for those from the Asian American community, and uh, so um, and and it it I, I've developed a passion around um, equality in educational opportunities. Um, we, we don't have to go into to you know all, all the current events are, are, around that, but we do see it. Uh, here in new York city, in, in the public high schools, who gets into the maggot schools? Um, and uh, and what we call like a reverse racism, if you will, a, a, against those of Asian descent. Um, we see it at, at, at the college level, we at university level, and we, and we've seen uh, lawsuits you know in that room. So it's an area that's always just been an area of interest of of mine. Um, uh, particularly uh, with a focus on the Asian community. but um, and, and that's how, how I've come to it, whether I, I've married into uh, to the community or not.
0: Well, this is a really important conversation. I want to make sure that we're... What else is, has Medtronic been focusing on, especially over the past 12 months where we're sort of all... You, you raised this at the start, Martha, that there was just sort of a, 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 an, an overdue awakening uh, of, of this. Uh, we're all working remotely. We're all trying to deal with the stress. But how, how specifically, what steps have been taken at Medtronic to sort of help find some solutions and, and improve communications now?
2: Yeah, that's a great question, Tom. Um, so, you know, as I mentioned, the Asian Employee Resource Group has been around for the past 30 years, and has had different programming for the Asian employees, but really in the last 12 months, and particularly because of the pandemic and the rise in anti-Asian violence and and discrimination, we have really doubled down our efforts on all fronts. So first of all, um, the most important thing is to listen to our employees. What are what are your needs? What do you need right now? How can we support you? So we had listening sessions. We call them listening sessions. Um, we were going to call them town halls, but they weren't really technically town halls, and and they were listening sessions. Uh-huh. <laughs> I know I was like, hmm, I don't think that's appropriate. But so we had listening sessions <laughs> with Jeff, the CEO, um, and both of them, and one of them was also with our executive sponsor for AIM, where Jeff just listened. To our employees that that were on the phone. Um, We had hundreds of of employees on the phone. And they they ran the gamut. They asked questions. They shared stories. They shared stories about um, their experiences at Medtronic. They shared stories about what's happening in their communities. So I thought that was great because it provided us actually true feedback from the employees on what they need to support them. And then from there um we we we've had lots of different programming and communications the communications internally and externally unequivocal and in terms of the programming we've held about 15 or more open air dialogues um what are they they're they are small uh group sessions that are facilitated by um an outside Asian social worker or psychologist and about uh, groups of 10 individuals that can just literally have a safe space to talk to share and yeah. and we've had great feedback on that, um, and we're going to probably continue those. In addition to that, we've had a lot of speaking programs and speaking engagements. We had a, a series of three. We called it the Power of We series uh, that we held last year, uh, and John was actually in in the third of the the three programs. But we we had external speakers come and talk about finding your voice. Um, Talk about the the racism and discrimination that was going on and what we could do as a community, both in terms of being Asians and also as as allies. And then this year, we're also emphasizing another set of speaker series and, and, and focusing on external speakers as well as internal as well within the company. And in in addition to that, we continue to double down on our education programs here. And as I said, we developed that toolkit for leaders in terms of how they can actually support and have productive dialogues with their employees. So those are just some of the things.
0: How have those listening sessions impacted you? Um, Did you hear a lot of stories that resonated with you? And and did it sort of empower you to to share the stories that you're sharing about your own your own experiences. I'm not sure. Would you have been comfortable sharing these stories on a podcast a year and a half ago or two well, years I ago? I,
2: I don't know what a podcast. <laughs> I didn't know what a podcast was <laughs> until today. But <laughs> um,
0: a room full of yeah. people. We'll say a room full of people. That's how we are.
2: The answer is is probably no. Is absolutely no. Uh, and I and for me, my own personal development this p- these past twelve months has really been a hockey stick. Uh, I have shared more on more public forums, not like this podcast, but um, most of them have been internally within Medtronic. There was an inaugural Twin Cities Asian Executive Leadership Conference that Target sponsored. And it was held at the end of um, April. There were about 1,600 participants that, that dialed in for that. And there were three panels. I was on one of those panels as well. And, and Jeff was on the CEO panel. And so I over the last 12 months, I have shared probably more of myself and my um, my experience growing up as an Asian female than I have probably in my lifetime. Um, so for me, it has been tr- transformative and therapeutic in many ways.
0: And that's that's fantastic. Um, I'm, I'm- I'm glad it's t- you're certainly getting your voice and, and you're sharing stories that I think everyone needs to help hear. rather. So that's uh, that's extraordinary. I understand that your work at Medtronic has uh, received a, a few awards of late. Can you bring us up to date oh, on that?
2: Yes. Thank you. Um, actually, just recently, last week, um, as a matter of fact, the Asia Society announced their 2020 corporate awards. And in the past, Medtronic has been a winner. And in fact, this is our seventh consecutive year that we have won an award with the Asia Society. The thing that um, is, I guess, most notable for me is this year we actually won in five categories. Um, we were the winner in four, and I think we were the runner up in one category, which was the best employer for Asian Americans. But I, I, I was absolutely stunned by this. And it really goes to uh, the work and the efforts and the passion and commitment of not just the AIM team, but of the leadership at Medtronic as well. So um, this is a team effort, and we we couldn't have done this uh, without the whole team pulling together.
0: That's excellent. And just final question: Where do you see this effort uh, being in, in five years or so, John? John, what would you like to what would you like your program to look like internally, and what would you like more importantly, what would you like Medtronic to look like internally? This
3: is like one of those programs where success is, is measured by whether the program still exists in five years. So, mm. uh, sadly, I'm sure that you know that it will, but maybe not to the same extent you know that it does today because the need is less because we've learned the important lessons from our Asian Employee Resource Group. All of us uh, have, and yeah, that's my hope, and uh, and I think that we're well positioned to get there because this, these programs that Martha a, a has described um, are really comprehensive. It, it, it's not just a, a very singular approach that it, 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 it goes from, from mentorship to, to listening sessions to, to group therapy sessions, to, to every aspect that, that one could think of to, to, uh, attack a number of the barriers that, that the group has identified. Um, you know, ha- has been thought of. They take a, a really um, thoughtful approach, and, and it gives me great hope that we're going to make very substantial progress. We've already made a lot of progress. It, it's been recognized from outside our company, as, Martha, as as described, and I, I'm, I'm encouraged that, that we're going to continue that progress, and it's going to even accelerate in the coming couple of years.
0: And Martha will give you the final word. I mean, John's point is right. It would be ideal, I think, if the group wasn't necessary in five years. But uh, what would you like the company to look like in, fi- in, in five years? And, and maybe you could look outside the company. I mean, is this, is this something that you see the med tech industry itself uh, coalescing around and, 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 and addressing?
2: I would love to see not just the med tech industry, but um, societal changes. If five years is not long enough, But five years is enough to start making a change. Mm -hmm. And change to me means more people educated and understanding the nuances and the differences and and actually the long seated discrimination and racism against Asians. I want us to be able to be seen in the light. And I want us as Asian American Pacific Islanders to be finally considered as Americans within Medtronic. Um, I again, I I do think this program will still need to exist, (laughs) but I I see a a more coalesced group and effort. Uh, And I've said this uh, many, many times, even though I am Asian-American, I am a female um, and I support MW Medtronic Women's Network. It really isn't just about being Asian or being female. You can fill in that blank, any descriptive, um, tall, short, blonde hair, blue eyes, Um, African-American, Hispanic, Latino, whatever it is, people of all walks uh, of life have been discriminated against. And I think it's important for us as human beings to to see each other for who we are and not and and celebrate those differences. And that actually is going to be progress. If we can do it within Medtronic first, Mm -hmm. um, that's great. It's a smaller group, even though we're about ninety five thousand employees. It's smaller than the population of the United States. (laughs) And I would love to see more diversity at the at the senior levels within Medtronic and just kind of trickle itself all the way down uh, throughout the organization. To me, that's that would be success.
0: That's great. Well, this is obviously an important conversation. We typically talk about devices that make people better, but I think this is a an important conversation to have just about other, another form of health, emotional health, fairness. So I, I appreciate the, uh, the time you took and, and congratulations on your awards and uh on the uh, on the efforts you've, you're, you're putting together it's, it's great work
2: thanks a lot tom thanks john <laughs> thanks tom and, and thanks
0: martha i appreciate uh, sharing this time with you well that is a wrap thanks for joining us on this episode of the medtronic talks podcast you can reach or find future episodes on devicetalks.com. You can also find it on the Medtronics.com news site. Please, though, subscribe. Go to Apple, Amazon, Google, Spotify. Come up with some other names that you'd like to pursue. I bet we're on there as well. You can have future episodes of this podcast sent directly to your listening device. Thank you again to our guests, Martha Ha and John DeChapel. Thank you again to our sponsor, Quasar Medical. And thanks again to you for joining us. Tune in next time. We'll have another great episode of the Medtronic Talks podcast waiting for you.